yes, we have the same kind of charge from Jesus. This just wasn't a charge to this 12 friends. This was a charge to us believers today, thousands and thousands of years down the road. You know, I've often wondered when it comes to the scripture, if Jesus was referring to a shortage of laborers or a lack of willingness in the laborers. Essentially, it doesn't really matter who or what Jesus was, uh, trying to find the right word, who or Jesus, what, uh, what, what was the cause or what brought about this response from Jesus, really doesn't matter. But in my observation of the church today is that we have many laborers. There are many in the church that should be activated, so to speak, should be moving to reaching the lost, should be moving in their work sphere, in their school sphere, in their neighborhood sphere. Uh, They should be taking action to share their faith, but yet they are an inactive group of people. Meaning, I mean, I don't know, over 300,000 gathered in D.C., another 10 to 20,000 gathered in, uh, I think, uh, I want to say Virginia for the worship nights that Chris Tomlinson is is, uh, doing. There was a uh, uh, a response gathering in Ohio with thousands upon thousands. Listen, there are many laborers, and somehow in today's market, 2016, fast forward down the road, we seem to have the same dilemma, only many laborers. Somehow the math just doesn't add up. And so I've often thought, Jesus, what is it going to take to move the church to action? Now, I'm not just talking about us here. There's, at Hilltop, there's plenty of room for growth in this area, for sure. I'm talking about the church worldwide. But what are we faced with? What do we think when it comes to the harvest? And even more specifically, the words of Jesus here in Matthew 9.32. It's funny that later in the, well, it's not funny, but uh, later in this, uh, the next chapter, in verse 10, Starting at 9.32 of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, working its way uh, down to Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus kind of follows the narrative, and he kind of gives his friends a kind of foretaste of what they're going to face. He tells them, listen, if you're in your Bibles today, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, he said, listen, I'm going to send you into the world like sheep. All right, come on, Jesus. A sheep, I mean, talk about the most helpless, defenseless, pathetic animal on the face of the earth. Am I alone in that? I mean, I'd be happy if he said, I'm sending you into the world as a cat. Yeah, everybody see the cat in action? Those things are vicious. Or a worm. I'd be happy with a worm. At least it would still have that sense of being pitiful, but I could burrow somewhere in the ground and hide. Why? Because Jesus said, listen, I'm going to send you into this world as sheep, and you're going to be surrounded by wolves. Wow, what a startling, what a picture. You're going to be surrounded by wolves. So you're pitiful, you're helpless, you're defenseless. The best you can do is go, meh, and there's going to be wolves on the prey. They're coming after you. These wolves are likened to men. Later on in the chapter, where men who have no regard for God's people would think nothing but to throw them under the bus, so to speak, to their death. Wow, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you. Sending us into a world like this. But he gives us kind of, he prepares us of what we're going to face. You know, with the kind of imagery of sheep and wolves that Jesus lays out in verse our chapter 10, it, 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 the first thought that I get is like, okay, Jesus, there has to be something here that I'm to rely upon. There has to be as a weak kind of meek, meh, you know, uh, going up in and about the world trying to reach the lost. There has to be something of which I can place my strength and my hope in. And that's a layup, right? Because it's in our weakness that Christ is made manifest, right? So it's only fitting that Jesus would say, I'm sending you into the world as sheep. Because why? Jesus wants nothing in of ourselves. Uh, he wants us not to rely upon our talents, our, our ability to uh, communicate, our, our gift sets, or whatever. He wants us to slowly rely upon Him. And so, it kind of is fitting that He calls us sheep. You know, sheep are very um, dependent upon their shepherd. If you do research on it, it's remarkable. It's, it's actually, it's so fitting and so telling of why Jesus called us sheep. But, you know, Jesus goes on and He says, listen, there's going to be a lot to fear. But, you know, how many know that we live in days of great fear in our nation? You think about what's happening in Turkey right now, all over the world with the widespread, you know, uh, uh, terrorism at large. We're, we're, there's every opportunity to fear. Uh, circumstances, situations, and even people. Cops, you know, all these things that are happening in our culture. But Jesus says, listen, don't fear. And can I say that the trust that Jesus is trying to paint here in chapter 10 is a trust in him, but it really lies within the soil of what we fear or who we fear, man or God. Because this is the same chapter that Jesus says, listen, do not fear man. They only have the ability to break or destroy your body. <laughs> wow. Wow. In my estimation, that's enough, okay? That's a good reason to fear man. But Jesus says, don't fear them. They can only take your lives. He said, but yet, fear God. Because He can both destroy your body and your soul in hell. Listen, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. It was recorded in the Gospels. I know we're in 2016. But, you know... It's kind of transcendent, Jesus' words, kind of, uh, you know, passed through generation unto generation. Jesus says, listen, fear God. Don't fear man. This is why. He doesn't coddle us or try to comfort us on why we should not fear man and fear God. He says, listen, the most somebody can do against you is take your life. That's the most they can do. But God can take both your life and your soul and damn it to hell. I don't know about you, but that kind of put things, uh, you know, right into perspective for me. <laughs> you know, of course, we lose sight of those words when it comes to sharing our faith. We don't 
think that it actually has that much gravity or weight to it, but certainly it does. And I would almost guarantee that if these words resounded in your spirits, in your ears, and in your heads, you would do more when you were at your workplace You would do more when you were in your neighborhood. You would do more when you're with your unsaved family members. There would be more of a bold proclamation of the gospel if that was the case. Now, I know, I get it all as a pastor. We are filled with so many excuses in 2016. We have excuses for everything today. Everything. And and somehow... Those excuses have kind of crept into the church on why we don't. And I'm just not talking about sharing our faith. I'm talking about everything. If if there's something we're not doing that we're called to do or we should be doing, we have an excuse for why it is we're not doing it. Am am I alone? Can I get an amen? I know, I know, I know. I know, you don't have have those those things going on. But but Jesus says, listen, it's, it's fairly simple. I I don't necessarily have like this model. I don't necessarily have this one, two, three kind of program that you can do to reach and to share your faith. It's pretty clear. Just do it. If you see my son walk around, he's doing, just do it, the Shiloh Buff thing. You see him? Anybody? Raise your hand if you see him. That's so good, right? Shiloh Buff. I don't know about the video. He kind of scares me. I I think he was... Having a mental breakdown in that video. But we don't think along these terms. We don't think. We don't. We, you know. I, when it comes to fearing God. We have such a, a, a kind of image of God. That he is only going to coddle us. He's going to be that pillow. Uh, you know, like, uh, he'll never say anything to offend. You understand that in the same chapter of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I came to set brother against brother, father against son. Are, do you, this is Jesus, the likeness of God. We, 2016, we are trying to change the image of God. And we need to stop. yes. He is a comforter. Absolutely. He is a father, but he's also a warrior. He's a just judge. He's ready for battle. And revelations will be a great look at the father in his fullness. As both loving, coddling, comforting, but yet with a sword dripping with blood. Ah! Guys, hell is a place People are going there. And you have been set up by God to make sure as many like yourselves are saved from that day. Now I know, right? We all see the guys in the squares in the city with their signs. Turn or burn. You're going to go to hell. You know, and they're yelling. You're a bunch of sinners! Of course, we have all these things that quickly deter us away and say, I don't want that. I don't want that. But, but that, it almost cripples us to be anything. Like, okay, yes, we don't want to be the guy on the box saying turn or burn. Or, or all gays are going to hell. I've seen it all. It's crazy. I don't want to be 
anything like that. That is not Jesus to me. But it doesn't stop me from wanting to share my faith regularly. And it shouldn't stop us. Hell is a real place. People are going there. You know, I think sometimes we lose sight of eternity. Do you understand, guys, you may get 80 to 90 years in this life, but you will spend eternity in heaven. Do you, do you, you know, Francis Chan, he did this awesome video where he had this long rope, right? This super long rope, and he like, just like the first two inches of this like 90-foot rope, like taped the t- first two inches, and he said, why do Christians live wholeheartedly for this part? But they totally forget about this. And he just starts stringing the line. He talks about this little, this little two-inch tape mark being life now, very short, very brief, very temporal, very here and now. And this long strand as he started unraveling being eternity. But how many know it's just so tell? Listen, I'm there too. We don't live as if, as if heaven is our home, our permanent place, our permanent destination. If we did live like that, we would live more like Jesus. We would know that sharing our faith is not an option. Loving God with all our hearts, minds, soul, body, it's not an option as Christians. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, uh, we need to live with eternity stamped on our eyelids. Meaning, it's all we see. It's all we see. And we don't. We see our bills. We see our problems. We see our broken marriages, our wayward kids. Pray for mine. I'm still looking for the fruit of salvation in his life. Help me, Jesus. I mean, Pokemon. I got his youth, I got his children's pastor calling him out on the carpet. Oh, my. There's a pastor's son, the advocate for Pokemon in the church. Have you seen him? Pray for him. We need to understand that this is but, this life, the here, the now, this moment is brief. It's very brief. We need to live like we were championed to live or exhorted to live by Leonard Ravenhill with eternity stamped on our eyelids. And you know, that is, no, that is very biblical. The Bible extensively talks about foreigners, that we are just passing through. We are strangers. We're to use our time wisely. We're to share our faith aggressively. But you know what? We have too many of us, me included, throw me right into the, to the boat who are just living for the here and the now, making sure this life is covered, the bases are covered, the bills are paid, the white picket fence is painted, the dog's hair is trimmed, all these different things. Meanwhile, Jesus' words are echoing through the generations, through history. The harvest is great. And the laborers are few. This is a challenge to us, friends. This is a challenge to the church. Not to be complacent. It is not an option. The gospel is the greatest news to ever set foot on planet earth. The gospel's root meaning is to be announced, to be proclaimed. Jesus says, what you hear in the dark, stand on the rooftops and shout it out. 
I'm not mad. I'm just, I love the words of Jesus. Is this resonating? Listen, if you hate me right now, good. If you're throwing mind stones at me, great. Because it's not me you're mad at. It's yourself. I didn't, never mind. I'm married, have a beautiful son. My wife is happily, she's, she's caught, I'm, anyway. I'm just saying I'm not an angry man. Sure, I'll get some email today, but um, <laughs> so what are we going to do with the words of Christ? What are we going to do? We're just going to live from paycheck to paycheck, you know, trying to get those goals. I'm not saying it's bad to have money. I'm not saying it's bad to have goals, but when they trump the primary goal, when they trump sharing our faith and being laborers unto the cause of Christ in the earth. And I say it is a problem. It is a problem. But in order, I think, for all this to happen, is we have to become people of no reputation, like Christ was a person of no reputation. Meaning, we weren't caught up with image and prestige and prominence and power. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. And this is, this is Paul talking about Christ. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. He says, have this mind among yourselves. Someone say, have this mind. No, we're not. We're Christians now. Uh, we're not at a golf rally. Let's, let's say it like we're blah. Have this mind. Some of you guys have to just say that over yourself because you're in a stupor. Go ahead. Have this mind. (laughs) Among yourselves. No, I'm just joking. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he what? He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Come on, somebody. God emptied himself of himself. and beca- God emptied himself of himself and took on the form of a servant. Somebody's just not hearing me today. <laughs> if something doesn't hit your heart when you say that, man, you need to check your heart. Come on. God, the uncreated being. Emptied himself of himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This verse does not say that Jesus became a man of bad reputation or questionable reputation, but simply no reputation. That is, reputation image, prestige, prominence, and power, and other trappings of leadership were not only devalued, sorry, they were purposefully dismissed by Christ. Jesus became such a man, not by default or accident, 
but by intention and design. And Paul here calls us to the same thinking that Christ had. So, if we're to break this message down simply, we're to fear God. I know many in the church want to remove that fear of God and act like it doesn't exist and we're not to, and he's a daddy, papa God. Yeah, okay, got it. He's a father, love it. Got it. But I read Revelation, and I don't know, when I see this man come down the street, I might have a little fear when he's slaying kings. You got like a, what is it? Uh, I love you. What's that purple animal there? <laughs> Barney. We got this Barney Christianity going on. No dissing Barney. I think he's part of a secret society, I think, <laughs> Barney is. <laughs> we want to remove fear, but God's, God says, Jesus says, listen. You gotta fear God. You can't fear man. And here, Paul says to do what Jesus did, to make yourself people of no reputation. Don't care or care little about what you have or what you're trying to become or what you're trying to possess or who you're trying to have power over. Care little about that and care everything about the cause of Christ in the earth. Care everything about sharing your faith. Yeah, get money, work, of course. I'm not saying that. But if that is a distraction, if that is a place where you hide your life and you are not uh, active in sharing the good news, then you are missing something, friend. To bring this more into focus, for this reason, I've often wondered if the obstacles of all ministry and effectiveness boils down or lies upon the shoulders of our willingness to labor for the cause of Christ in the earth. That we care far much about our reputation, our image. That we forsake or forget or ignore sharing our faith, the best news. Come on, when you gave your heart to Christ, was it not the best thing that ever happened to you? I know when I broke down, man, it was awesome, powerful, an extraordinary experience where my life was changed like that. Why wouldn't I want to share that with others? We are doing a disservice to them if we don't. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this people, God. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us the boldness that we need to share openly our faith with others, Lord. Father, I pray, God, that right now you would break shame, shame of the gospel, fear of man off of us in Jesus' name. God, I ask, Lord, that we would be quick, not to in a, in a religious way, but in a heartfelt way, share the good news, share our faith with others. So Jesus, I ask, Lord, that today our hearts would be provoked to go to our friends, to go to our neighbors, to go to our co-workers, and to, Lord, have the conversation, God, and to begin to lead. Father, we are not a 
accountable for the outcome. We are only accountable to proclaiming. And so, Lord, I ask God, by the preciousness of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us and that you would fill us. And, Lord, that we would stand seeing the great harvest fields that Jesus saw. Lord, that we would see, Lord, our place as laborers in those harvest fields, God. It's not enough, God, that we just sit on the sidelines, close our eyes, and wish it to go away. Jesus, you said, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father. Jesus, those were your words in the same chapter that we just read. Father, we want to acknowledge you before all men, that you might have the fame and the glory. We pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Everybody all right?